much does a returning production metric really matter for BYU football? And the Pac-12 may be looking to move into Big 12 territory. Did Brett Yormark cut the math off at the path? How dare they? So audacious. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, February 8th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside your Super Bowl party planning committee assistant to the chairman, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, I'm just heading over to a friend's house, so not feeling the pressure of hosting or anything. You know. That's the best way to attend a Super Bowl party. In fact, the friends we're going, uh, whose house we're going over to, they're finishing their basement and are just crazily getting after it to make sure it's ready for Sunday. Too like, much stress. Like, put up, uh, you know, stuff downstairs, didn't like the... the the stain on the wood, sanded it down. I'm like, holy shnikes. Too much stress. This is a lot of stress. Just so. invite me and tell me something, some food item to bring. Justin and Nell, I really appreciate your efforts. Uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On today's show, Chad Lewis on his Andy Reid Super Bowl. Of course, Eagles Chiefs. I think he's rooting for the Eagles, but he's probably invested in the Chiefs, given Andy Reid and his son-in-law, Matt Bushman, uh, is on the Chiefs roster. Uh, Tyler Algier goes much higher in one re redraft. Do we think he should go even higher than he was listed? Why will Eric Mika be at NBA All-Star Weekend Salt Lake next week? And we take a trip to Mexico with Violet Zavodnik. But first, today's headlines. Beginning with BYU football, Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland, all three guys at the Senior Bowl, at least practices last week, have all received invites to the NFL Scouting Combine. That trio are three of 319 nationwide invitees to attend the event which will take place February 28th through March 6th in Indianapolis. By the way, Blake Freeland projected as the 67th overall pick in USA Today's Draft Wire post-Senior Bowl round mock, three-round mock draft. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. By the way, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and Oregon, and Stanford all had four invitees. BYU went one and three in those games. You play NFL guys, tough to win sometimes. Women's golf takes fourth at the FAU Paradise Invitational in Florida. Alicia May Mateo posted a seven under for third place, which is her third top three finish in 10th of her career. BYU women's volleyball announces transfer libero Kamile Hiapo has joined the team from the University of Arizona. Hiapo recorded 492 digs last season, fourth in University of Arizona school history. Softball tied with LMU in the preseason poll, first in its final season in the WCC with four players on the preseason team. Hunter Ava, Violet Zavodnik, Martha Epinesa, and Chloe Temples. Season begins tomorrow against North Carolina. We'll chat with Violet Zavodnik later in the show from Puerto Vallarta. Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs, representing BYU men's tennis, named the WCC Doubles Team of the Week after a 6-3 doubles win on Friday. Congratulations to both of those guys. And Eric Meek is headed to the G League Next Up game during NBA All-Star Weekend next week in Salt Lake. Meek is averaging 14 points, almost 10 boards a game for the G League Ignite. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. returning production or is it a power metric BYU football last season coming into the 2022 campaign one of the best in the country when it came to returning production number one this time around BYU 
largely middle of the pack, Jerem. So my question for you is, based on what happened last season when you were tops in the country, 97% returning production, BYU goes 8-5, and five, there's a little bit of a disappointing feeling. Well, now BYU's in the middle of the pack. So when you look at the returning production numbers, how much stock do you put into the returning production metric? Well, let's add to the fact that after 2020, going into 21, BYU was last in the country. Yeah, they had nobody. They had nobody coming. And Tyler Algier, basically. Uh, so I put very little because BYU went 10-3 uh, and three off of last in returning production. And then BYU at one point was 4-5, and five, saved it with you know four wins in a row. That was nice. To get to 8-5 and five with the most in the country. Depends what that production is and depends how healthy they are and how effective they are. There were, there were guys that came back last year that weren't very effective, um, some of which transferred. And, you know, you have guys that return that you're excited about. Just because – I've said this before, but just because someone comes back doesn't mean they're good or even that they'll be better. Sometimes they're worse. Um, and with the transfer portal and how big of a deal that is, you can inject – all kinds of life into a team immediately. BYU's doing that at several notable skill positions like we've chronicled with Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and others. So I had to put a lot of stock into it. Like Kansas is number two in the country in returning production. That doesn't mean they're going to win eight games. They're Kansas. Like this year they started 4-0 and then kind of struggled. And yes, they went to a bowl game. It was better. But it's not hard to make a bowl game. You have to be completely mediocre to make a bowl game. Go 6-6. Yeah. So I don't put a lot of stock into this. Is it exciting one way or the other? No, because we've seen the two ends of the spectrum from BYU, and it didn't really matter that much. Typically, uh, the values of returning production are different based on position. Okay, so I, like if you return a high-level quarterback, then, yeah, I'm going to put a little bit of stock into that. Oh, yeah, that guy's coming back? Great. I mean, look at some of the Pac-12 quarterbacks that are coming back for crying out loud. I mean, the entire, like, entire Pac-12 is basically bringing back their – starting quarterbacks, including the Heisman Trophy winner. Well, USC has Caleb Hayes coming back. You put any stock into that? Yeah. Williams. That's a yeah. high – Caleb Williams, yeah. yeah. That's a high-level returning production position, right? Certainly Heisman and quarterback, yes. <laughs> that, that, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that well, in, like, the regular Bo, rotation. Bo Nix and Michael Penix at Washington and sure. Cam Rising at Utah. Well, well, let's use one of our own. Like, Keaton Slovis came back in 20 and 21. That, that's where I'm going. Wasn't very great with that, USC. Yeah. Was hurt. Um, you know, and so there's different elements that come to that. I, I don't know. Like, the question we were really asking ourselves is, how much can we assume based on that number? Not a ton. And that's where I was going. So, bringing up those quarterbacks, now I look at Keaton Slovis, who has had some highs and certainly some lows and dealing with injuries and the Pittsburgh situation didn't work out for him. So, I, I'm more concerned about the returning production and uh, if that will manifest itself in a better way. Like, will, will Keaton Slovis healthy help BYU's middle-of-the-pack production number? And better offense that suits him. Sure. Jordan Addison left suddenly to USC. Like, the OC Mark Whipple bounced. So many different things went He was hurt. The wrong like, way. Like, John Beck told us, like, he had a back injury. Like, and then he had a sore arm at USC. Like, is Aaron Roderick returning and Fessy returning a bigger deal than any of the players? Continuity. I, I think I, so. I, I think so. Continuity and on the offensive staff? That yeah. certainly helps. It doesn't mean you're going to be good or bad, though, because every year Nick Saban is replacing his, his coordinators because they're so good they get a head coaching job somewhere. Well, he's also so, bringing in 12 five-stars every year in his recruiting class, and that's to his and credit. He's and he's bringing in a capable coordinator every year. Yeah.
Uh, yeah, it, who doesn't want to coach with Nick Saban, knowing what typically happens? I think a lot of people don't. Coach, well, if you coach with Nick Saban, with Nick. you get a head coaching job. Yeah. So it's like, hey, put up with him for a couple of years, be well, awesome. Year <laughs> or one like year, one year, and, and go get a head good. coaching yeah. job. Yeah. It's interesting. So I don't. I'm BYU's number seventy, and apparently yeah. they're factoring in some transfer portal metrics to this returning production now. So Keaton Slovis is in the metric where BYU is 70th in the country. So just of all the dudes. But it's based on, on his last year. Wherever. Like we don't we don't know. Did anybody in the have any clue that Max Duggan was going to do what he did at TCU? No, that's why that's why sports are awesome. Like we're it's not the exactly ultimate sure. reality football, that, yeah. television scenario. Yeah. So I know, there's some stock if you bring back like Elite level players at skill positions, yeah. Then you, you expect you, there's expectations there. But for this BYU, BYU team, BYU does not like. We, we hope that Aiden Robinson, Keaton Slovis translate right into BYU. That's why but it's like I we're don't not know. staring at Puka returning. We're not staring at Tyler Algier coming back another year, right? No. And if Chris Brooks was coming back, we would be like, all right, need to be a thousand yard guy, need to be a ten touchdown guy. We probably expect that. We're all projecting. If you're healthy the whole time. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's all we can do at this point. But I, I put the overrunner for BYU at seven and a half wins, largely based on my belief that Keaton Slovis is going to have at least a little bit better of a year than he had at Pittsburgh last year, primarily because we think he's going to be healthy. If it's just a little bit better, it's not good enough. He's got to be vastly improved from that for BYU to have – any kind of success. Hey, reg regardless, he's behind an offensive line that I have seen for a few years. Some guys I've seen for a few years in, in that regard. I trust them. I, I feel like I know what I'm going to get from BYU's offensive line. Frankly, BYU's offensive line last year still delivered, Jerem. Like they, they, oh, they were the pro maybe the best metrics, ever. Like Spence, they, they delivered. delivered. They delivered. They were maybe right? the best O-line BYU's ever like, had. Well, at one point in the season, we're like, how come BYU can't establish a run game? They're good in pass blocking. How come they can't get the run game going? And Kalani Satake in week five or six said, at some point, you can't just blame the offensive line. you got to blame the guys that are The running backs were rock. only getting what was blocked right? for. They weren't earning more. Like, if it was blocked for three yards, they were getting three yards. They, they obviously, coming off of Tyler Algier, that juxtaposition is stark. Sure. I mean, I'm going to put some stock into what I feel like I know about this team, which is they have three reliable pass catchers, a reliable tight end, a pretty reliable offensive line, enough pieces coming back there, and a quarterback that I think is going to have a better season than he had against Pittsburgh. So 70 feels fair. All that said, 70 kind of feels fair. Like middle of the pack, I well, don't know. Well, that 70 don't isn't an opinion rating. It's just a, based on the number. So it's just Sorry. whatever. In terms of expectations, like – BYU's middle of the pack. Like, that's kind of – I feel like that's kind of where my expectations are, like in the middle somewhere. These two are not connected to me whatsoever. Yeah. BYU could be number one in returning production, and I would say, yeah, it wouldn't affect your expectations? hopefully they get seven wins. It, it affected your expectations last year just like it did mine, though. Yeah, but I've learned things since that's information what I'm saying. has okay, happened. So it's, like, you're, you're a, you're BYU returned the most in the country. Your opinion eight, has changed. Eight and five. Didn't matter. That's what I'm getting at. Your Didn't opinion matter. has changed after last yeah. year. I learned things, and I All right. think different things. Fair enough. Topic two, conference expansion and realignment may not be dead yet, as Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov is visiting SMU today, losers of the New Mexico Bowl, according to Brett McMurphy. If the Big 12 is still open for business, should they look into beating the Pac-12 to the punch? No. No. I feel like the Big 12 has already won in a number of ways. They've got locked in their deal. They locked in their conference. Still need to announce it, by the way. Texas and Oklahoma are probably now going to stay for the next two years. So They are they, until they aren't, right? They've got 14 teams through 2025, and even when Texas and Oklahoma go, 
Brett Yormark is very clear that they feel confident that the conference is plenty uh, strong moving forward without Texas and OU, especially in basketball and across all sports. No, I, I credit Yormark and his staff for doing what they've done, just getting ahead of all of this. They've locked everything in. And so at this point, it's like, I don't feel like the Big 12 has to rush to get anybody. Like, we were kind of like, oh, maybe Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. That the was, four corners. It was kind of a fun thought, like going to a 16-team conference when Oklahoma and Texas leave. But If the Pac-12 dissolves. Now the Pac-12 is trying to hang on, and their, their response is to add SMU and San Diego State potentially. Uh, good on them. But, like, the Big 12 can stand pat and feel very confident that they are the number three conference moving forward. That's my belief. ACC has kind of trickled down. They're kind yeah, of, we're all playing for number three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like yeah. the Big 12 right now, and just like soli B solidarity like wise. Like men's hoops. We've been playing for third. Solidarity, they, they have it right now in that third spot, and I think that's a great position to be in. But why, why be aggressive? Who, what are you going to go do now? You don't need Texas. You got it. You don't. Well, if you want West Coast, you get San Diego State. But I think when, when your mark discusses four time zone, he really means Oregon and Washington. That's what he really deep down means. I don't think you go and get San Diego State just to do it. And I don't think BYU needs to go get uh, – sorry, the Big 12 needs to go – and they're one of the same sort to, – to get those two teams. Uh, it's going to be all right. We can quantify the success of the two leagues, by the way. There is a way to do this, and it's not on the field. It's a TV contract. We're waiting for the Pac-12 to get their TV contract for post-USC-UCLA, right? We have the numbers, reportedly, of the Big 12. They haven't announced it yet. We're still waiting for – I guess that to be finalized. But it feels like the Big 12 is going to have a larger contract. If that's by a, only a million bucks, that's a win for the Big 12. Because you're competing against the Pac-12 and the ACC, like we said, for third place. And uh, I think the Big 12's done as good of a job as it possibly could with two massive brands leaving. They added some of the best of the rest. And, and you look around and, like, what's left, right? Boise State, Gonzaga, and Hoops. Basically, Boise State and football. We're not really talking about... The other sports. Essentially the same as like Gonzaga and basketball, but they don't have football, of course. And then it's like, well, okay, who else? Uh, we could get into Texas. We could continue to have somebody in the LA area. It, they're just trying to survive uh, and, and not dissolve at some point. Because if two teams leave, like if Arizona and Arizona State were like, we're done, we're out. It changes a well, lot they're, for they're that in, league. Now you're trouble. down to eight teams. They're in big trouble. You had those other two, you're 10. Like what else you do? Now you're Mountain West Plus uh, to some degree. There's some good programs in there still. But, like, Oregon and Washington hold the cards. They're sitting there deciding the fate of the Pac-12. But, yeah, I'm, I'm confident the Big 12's in a great spot. Not going to – certainly it takes a little bit of a dip without Texas and Oklahoma, but you've added some quality, obviously, in our biased opinion in BYU and the other three. And uh, it'll be exciting to see how it rolls out in the next couple of years. It was nice that TCU had a season like it had where it was like, Oh, look, we didn't need Texas and Oklahoma. We have other teams. Oklahoma was that mediocre. Do stuff. Yeah. We'll, right? give them, we'll give them the one year off and add the 17 New Year's six appearances since 2000. Like, they're unbelievable as a program. Good. You had one year off. It's good, okay. It was good to see some other teams. It was good to see Baylor the year before win the Big yeah. 12, Jerem. Yeah. Like, Texas and Oklahoma. There's some fun parody that gives you hope as yes. a BYU fan. They're like, oh, could BYU be that team one year? Yeah. I mean, Baylor, like, Oklahoma State, TCU, like, they've all in recent years had strong seasons, better seasons than the brands of Texas and Oklahoma. So, 
That, that's a good sign. Utah the took 11 years to win the league. It's like, oh, can BYU in the first decade be competitive enough to perhaps win a Power 5 league? We'll see. Our question of the day, is potential Pac-12 or just conference expansion in general still a topic of interest to BYU fans? At TX Colonel says, the Pac-12 is dead to me. <laughs> Irrelevant. If they survive, fine. If the Pac-12 implodes, whatever. Well, to me, it's not whatever because then it could strengthen the Big 12 if you can add some of the quality from the Pac-12, some of the best of the rest. And now you're clearly, like, uh, the best team, you know, in the Pacific and Mountain time zones. Like, you're dominating two of those time zones. Granted, 50% of the population uh, are in the Eastern time zone. Like, it'll, uh, the, why do we speak in Eastern time zone on the air? It's because 50% of the population is there. Like, we understand how this works. Yeah, Oregon and Washington, if they want to run the kingdom – they stay and do their thing. They want to go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten, I don't think, wants them, or else they would have moved in that direction. That is not the case. And I feel like Brett Yormark and the Big 12 are smart to just be like, hey, we're here. You want to talk? Let's talk. We're open for business, but for Oregon and Washington. Yeah, when he says open for business, it does not intend San Diego State SMU, I don't think. Maybe, maybe. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. We'll see. But, like, four time zones, yeah, we're open for business, Oregon and Washington. So, yeah, Oregon and Washington, they can, they can do what they want to do. They want to be in the Big Ten. That's not going to happen. So do you stay and run the kingdom, or do you pursue something new? Just Meanwhile, Utah's like, new. we'll just keep winning the league if USC's down. Like, if Oregon's down a little. <laughs> yeah, well, our, yeah, like, no, we'll see. Like, we'll see this door's year. been open. Walk through it. BYU Basketball's Mark Pope's on demand on BYUSN.com or the BYU TV app. Rudy Williams joined Coach Pope and Greg Rubel last night. Check it out on the app. Up next, he's a BYU football legend and a man who knows what it's like to win a big NFC championship game. Chad Lewis in studio. Is he torn on who to cheer for this Sunday? His former Eagles or his son-in-law and Andy Reid and the Chiefs? This is BYU Sports Nation. I don't think he is. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We now welcome in Chad Lewis, former BYU football hey. standout, a guy who caught a huge touchdown pass in the NFC Championship game for the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Took one for the team, man. Playing for Andy Reid, and now your former Eagles are taking on your former head coach who's with the Chiefs now, and your son-in-law's with the Chiefs. How are you handling this week emotionally as you prepare for the Super Bowl? I'm pumped. I've, been, I've wanted this matchup all year long. I mean, these are my two favorite teams by far. And Matt Bushman, my son-in-law, playing on the Chiefs, it's just the coolest thing ever. He's on the practice squad, so if something happens to someone in the next three days of practice, he's got a chance to actually play in the Super Bowl. But and he almost did. Um, last year. Last year, right? Yeah. yeah. Last year, halftime, he knew he was going to play in the Super Bowl if they advanced, and they were – Whooping on the Bengals till the Bengals turned around and beat them. So exciting times for Matt. He had a great game against the Packers preseason, two touchdowns, then broke his collarbone a couple plays later. Spent the season getting healthy. Now he's healthy. First day he could get taken back, Chiefs took him back. So I'm very grateful for Andy. Profoundly grateful. I mean, that's my family. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. So I assume you're rooting for the Eagles, but is there some sort of split Thing here with Andy and Matt with the Chiefs? How you feeling? Uh, I'm a member of the church, so family first and everything. <laughs> like, I'm all about family. Like, yeah. I want Matt and Emily to have every good thing. You know, when I, when I say my prayers, that's what I'm thinking about. You know, how can they have every, every great thing? And this is a great thing. Now, I also am like the, uh, 
the Kelsey parents. I got family on both sides, yeah. deep family, roots, <laughs> love. Like, uh, I love Andy like he's part of my family. We've communicated weekly for years. And I also love the Eagles. The Chiefs have never given me one paycheck, not for six cents. <laughs> and the Eagles have paid me a lot of money. I mean, there's a give and take relationship that you have with fans, with an organization. And so that's family. But I think everyone understands exactly how this works. My son-in-law's on the team. Let's go. go so, so either way, Chiefs. you're good. It's win-win, bittersweet. It's win-win, I mean, bittersweet. No matter who yeah. I see after the game, it's a big hug or it's like, I feel for you. You know, like I've, I've been on the losing end of a Super Bowl, and it hurts. I mean, 18 years later, I, I still feel it. I wish we would have beat the Patriots that, that day, you know, but bam, that's life. Keep Absolutely. going. <laughs> Ain't no crying about it. Just move <laughs> forward. Chad Lewis is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I want to dive into your relationship with Coach Reed a little bit more. When did that all begin, and, and how has it evolved to where it is today? Great question. He's the best. Let's start it off right there. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Yep. Best yep. coach in the business, best man in the business. I first met him at the Combine. He was with the Packers. We had a great talk, and he was the tight ends coach. He was trying to get me to the Packers. Um, then I went to the Eagles as an undrafted free agent, went to the Rams um, a year and two games later, and the Rams ended up getting cut right before we won the Super Bowl, and I went back to... The Philadelphia Eagles, now Andy Reid head coach. So when he's at the Eagles head coach first year, um, and when I was on the waiver wire, he grabbed me. So the first day I get there, I was picked on the waiver wire by the 49ers, Steve Young still there, the Colts, and the Eagles. The first thing he said was, hey, I know you wanted to go back and play with Steve Young, but I need you here. Let's turn this thing around. I said, coach, I've already been in my playbook. I'm ready to roll. And I caught a touchdown that week against the Colts. <laughs> I was made the starting tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles Monday. And that's how it went. Um, since then, we've been tight. Wow. It, that's awesome. Uh, playing with Steve would have been fun too, right? Yeah, that would have been a blast. And uh, was it a young Peyton Manning at that point? Or it was a young you, Peyton Manning, okay. yeah. That was throwing a ton of picks? Yeah. <laughs> that's why I caught Early a touchdown on. that game, because he ripped us. And <laughs> <laughs> That week he ripped you guys? Yeah. Nice. So you, you don't, you don't seem bothered by it at all. Yeah, yeah, it got me a starting job. You know, <laughs> and then I can prove myself. Absolutely. Okay, okay you, you go to the Eagles, and uh, everybody knows Andy loves BYU. Yeah. Did you, were the BYU conversations happening when you were a player, or did that all, the all time. start after? All the time. He was so fun about it. He's, he came to BYU, not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. He came here and met a girl named Tammy. He's playing football. And as they're dating, Tammy's like, hey, read. If you want to marry me, I'm getting married in the temple. He's like, what's that? She's like, you better find out. <laughs> Not only did he find out, but he, he turned his life into a disciple of Christ in a way that has never stopped. That's who he is. His love for the church, his love for BYU is similar. So when he talks to the team, he doesn't like shy away from who he is or BYU. He's like, he's still a new convert to BYU. He's still a newcomer to the church in that sense that he's got a light, light heart, like a good heart. So he banters with his team, and like he would tell the Eagles, hey, Chad's my favorite player. I'm like, coach, you can't say that, man. My teammates are going to rip me. <laughs> but he has fun with it, and he celebrates it. And 
So right now they have Zane Anderson and Matt Bushman on the so team, cool. yeah. and he loves it. He's like, hey, give me some more BYU guys. I Let's love go. that story about Tammy, too, uh, having spent some time with her, because she's absolutely a firecracker. She's a pistol. Um, yep. And I she's love so all of her fun. nicknames for Andy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> AR and Reed, Andrew! Um, you know, um, like she just... It's, she is who she is. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me at all that she said that. It was fun. Uh, Andy, on the bye week, his bye week came to the BYU football game. Yeah. So Just stood also just at the sat game. in the crowd. Yeah. He wanted to be what? in the crowd. What? We had a box for him. We're like, hey, no, no one can mess with you. And his son, Spencer, who's our strength and conditioning coach. Who moved into my ward, said, by the way. Dad, I don't need you sitting up in a box. Like, there's people down there. We got recruits down there. Come down. And he's like, Okay. So he came down, sat in stands. <laughs> and then they announced him in the stadium. And then, and then Greg was like, oh, yeah, Andy's here. Like, <laughs> whatever seat. And I was like, we're giving away the seat. <laughs> um, no, but Andy's so cool. Like, he's so personable. He doesn't have to be. He could absolutely be. Okay, my next statement slash question in no way takes away from what Lavelle did. But at some point, Andy Reid built off that amazing knowledge and experience with Lavelle and became the greatest coach that's ever been associated with BYU. Like, yeah. he almost stood on his shoulders in a way to be like, okay, let's elevate this thing at the next level. Andy has done something amazing, which is in the NFL, he's now in his third Super Bowl. He's going for a second win. Like, he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer. It's pretty special. It's kind of like what Steve did, right? Building off guy, Ty did by winning the Heisman. What do you think of sort of that evolution of Andy continuing sort of that coaching legacy from Lavelle? It's true. Perfect question. He stands on the shoulders of Lavelle. And the cool thing about Andy is he's never walked away from Lavelle. Like, he embraced him as a player and as a person. And he continued that relationship. He would, Lavelle would either call or write him a note every week. And sometimes when I was with the Eagles, Andy would pull me in and say, man, look at this. Look at this note from Lavelle. He is classic. Like, his love for Lavelle <laughs> was just so real and genuine and, and cool. And... The thing that he learned from Lavelle was pass the ball. And so he's stepped his foot on the gas his entire career. He wants to throw the ball. He wants to score points. He's been so progressive as a coach. He's cutting edge. You see what they do with Mahomes, with whoever's on their team. Kelsey, I'm watching his routes. I'm like, bro, I love that. I love his creativity. He's a 60-plus-year-old coach, but he's still mentally cutting edge. And he's calling the plays. Calling the he's plays. Calling he's the right play. in the rhythm. Like, his players love him. They don't, like, jump on him as hard as we used to. Um, so they're a little tender with him. <laughs> but, man, they love him. Who's running hook and ladders in the first half? Andy, Andy Reid is. <laughs> <laughs> right? that, that's oh, who's running ring around the rosies in the huddle? And then, you <laughs> know, that was incredible. Yeah. So he allows you to have fun. One of the things he says always is, hey, you got to let your personality show. You got to have fun out there. Don't be tight. Like, be you. Let, let it cut it loose. That's what he wants from his team. So you see what they're doing in practices, like coming up with stuff. And if it works or he likes it, it's in the game. And he's not afraid of that. The personality thing is called Jamaling yeah, yeah, around yeah, here. Right. Yeah. What, what is this week like? I know it's 18-ish years removed or 20 years removed from when you were kind of in this scenario, Chad. But what's this week like as an NFL player when you are preparing for the Super Bowl? It's so fun. Uh, the championship game is your Super Bowl. I mean, that's it, where you're in a, either a home or away crowd, super intense. You're winning your conference. And when you win that conference, you go to the Super Bowl, then everything changes. 
the the media requests are off the hook in a way that's both fun and like super can be super distracting um practices are your your coaches are trying to get ready for the biggest game of their lives you're trying to do both get ready for the biggest game of your life and enjoy the moment that moment is a tiny window that may never come again so you're trying to do both and the coaches that can you know, cut down distractions the most and get you focused on your job are typically, you know, the ones who win the game. So, okay, Big 12 schedule came out. Uh, what did you think? Oh, my goodness. This is, what, this is the first thing I thought of. Right before Elder L. Tom Perry, Quorum of the 12, passed away, he put me in a headlock. <laughs> what? A headlock. And he said, when are we going to stop playing Patsy's in November? <laughs> So since he's talking smack, I was talking smack back. I'm like, well, wow. can you give us a bunch of cash and get us like somewhere else? <laughs> and so it was really fun. But it's it was look at what Tom Homo did with, and our coaches all with the time schedule. It's, to get a schedule going like in Independence, it wasn't easy, but yep. they made it great. Yep. And now we we're in a conference where look at what November is going to be like. <laughs> West Virginia, for a Iowa State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I think BYU's going to have up. a good record going into November. I do too. I think I'm pumped. November is going to be really important. I would say this: Tom Homo has done an incredible job with the coaches, the players, administration, constantly talking to us about putting our foot on the gas, being ready for. Look, this is a big jump. Don't soft pedal this. We have to be ready in every way, and it doesn't happen overnight. It happens right now, every day, one step at a time. Let's get ready. He's been he's been really good at making sure that we understand this is big time. Mm. I'm already ready for it to be an emotional experience when Oklahoma is in Lavelle Edwards Stadium on November 18th on senior night as part of the Big 12. Like, just a culmination of so many years, decades of yeah. just working and hoping that this doesn't oh, actually like come to fruition. Oh, like a 50-year build, right? I'm just imagine, I'm trying to think. Henry Beimer is probably tall enough to be the other guy who could put you in a headlock. <laughs> is that, like, from a height standpoint? That's How tall right. was Elton? Like 6'4 or something? He was like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he was a big oh, guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. His personality was big and his big barrel-chested guy. So, <laughs> love him. That's awesome. Yeah, That's love him. fantastic story. Chad, we Thanks, appreciate Jeff. all of the stories that you shared with us today. Yeah. Perfect for Super Bowl week. One more week, then out of the boot. Yes, get Boom. you healthy. Catching more touch. Get you back on the One golf course. One more week, course. the boot's on the shelf, and I'm dunking again. Get you on the golf course. Yeah, let's course. go. Right. Come on, man. Okay, join Gregor Bell, Mark Durant, Jason Shepard tomorrow night as we get ready for BYU and Pepperdine in Malibu. Got to go get that win. Wave's got a weird one against uh, Portland their first uh, last Saturday. If you missed that, you got to go look it up. It was a crazy finish. BYU Radio coverage begins at 9 Eastern. If last year's NFL draft were now redrafted, where would Tyler Algier go? You taking him in the first round? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This television and radio program is called BYU Sports Nation. You can, if you'd like, follow it on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. You know what time it is. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's NFL Insiders did a redraft with this year's NFL rookies. Tyler Algier was picked 43rd in the redraft. Should he have been higher? Let me put my blue goggles on. Yes, first rounder. Uh, honestly, though, blue goggles off, blue goggles off. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty fair. Like, that's awesome. Like, if, if you redrafted him 43rd, early second round, 
running backs don't go in, went the, first in the fifth. Round. Like running backs that go in the first round are typically Heisman Trophy type players, like that level. Tyler was just outside that conversation. Um, 43rd is fantastic. Yeah, zero running backs taken in the first round last year. Two the year before, and then it's one a year. Um, yes, early second round would be incredible. Yeah, that's like saying, hey, Tyler Algiers right there with Brees Hall. And Brees Hall is yeah. fantastic. Tyler was one of the top three running backs in, uh, in the NFL. By the way, second among all rookies with 51 forced missed tackles and then 3.6 yards after contact most among rookies highest graded rookie running back amazing pro football focus yeah. straight up the best all right speaking of the draft tyler's friends who are looking to get into the nfl including puka nakua and jaron hall and blake freeland they've all been invited to the nfl combine speaking about puka specifically the invitation to the combine does that further solidify that he absolutely will be drafted I don't know that the invite does that, but the combination of what he did at the Senior Bowl, obviously the film that he put out there, his explosiveness, yeah, he's he's going to be drafted uh, based on who he is and what he can do. Like when he's healthy, he's an NFL receiver. Right now, Puka just screams somewhere mid third day, so like a fifth round pick. He's yeah. he's going to be drafted. We don't care here though. Like if he goes in the seventh, awesome. Drafted. Dax That's Milne was the second want. to last pick. Did we care? Absolutely. Drafted. Awesome. Make and, and Puka's gonna make a roster. BYU fans, if I, as I've said, love gym measuring in the WCC. But last night, Mark Pope embraced the Big 12, Pac-12 rivalry mentality with this. In the Pac-12, okay. Uh, the leading attendance in the last couple years has been Arizona at like 12,500. I don't know how many of the arena seats, 14 maybe. But like you think about it, we have Pacific and, and LMU in here, and we have more fans than any Pac-12 team will have at any single game all year long. Man, it's fun to be a Cougar. Are you a fan of cross-conference attendance trash talk? Why not? Look, Mark's got to sell his program. He's got to sell the excitement, and that sells tickets. Frankly, he's not going to have a hard time selling tickets for the Big 12, though. <laughs> Just fine. Well, think about it. You've always been in the WCC, top 15. You're playing LMU in Pacific, like you mentioned. Um, Pretty cool. BYU averaging about 14,000, top 15 in the country, in the WCC. That's cool. The fans Just wait. continue to show up. Even yes. when BYU has had their quote-unquote struggles this year, they continue Cougar, to show up. Cougar Nation shows up, and just just imagine what it's going to be like when there's St. Mary's and Gonzaga in here almost every game. Yeah, amazing. It'll be great. Women's Hoops tied for third tomorrow night. Watch BYU take on Pepperdine 9 Eastern Time on BYU TV. Big game for Nani Falatea and the Cougs. Up next, why don't we just take this show to the beaches of Mexico and do so with one of the best softball players in the entire country. Violet Zavodnik joins us yeah. as BYU softball gets set to get their season started. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Zavodnik hits a ball. the gritty over home plate. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. More just gritty. Using the context yeah. of what we just showed you, Violet Zavodnik, one of the best players in the entire country in Baller. NCAA softball. You can probably guess who we're going to talk to. Yeah, and we're going to do so as she joins us from Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Violet Zavodnik is back on BYU Sports Nation. Violet, great to have What's you up? back on the show. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Obviously, we're very jealous that we are not <laughs> with the team in Mexico enjoying the sunshine, but how's Puerto Vallarta overall? It's beautiful. The weather is amazing. Literally the dream. Like, it's 80 degrees, and I'm not shivering. I'm not cold. I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, are we going to see more gritties over uh, home plate this year? Because that was pretty fun to watch right there. I tweaked my home run just a little mm. bit. I'm experimenting on what I'm doing. It's going to be a secret, but if I don't like what it is, I'll go back to the gritty. But if not, <laughs> you're going to have to tune in for my new celebration. Can't wait. I like that you have thought about this. this I, fully, I fully support that. Uh, and hopefully you get a chance to debut it uh, in, in Puerto Vallarta. Before the hopefully, games yeah. begin, uh, hopefully you and the team have had some time to relax. Um, how, do you, how do you balance this type of trip, which is fun, in great weather, and knowing that the start of your season approaches quickly? It's more of like... This is your last opportunity to kind of enjoy yourself before we go four months and it's like softball, softball, softball. So like right now, we got one day to kind of like relax by the pool. And then for me, that was my one day. Now I'll do homework and then just kind of mentally prepare myself. Are you fluent in Spanish yet? Uh, no, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Enough to order a couple tacos maybe? Pretty much, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, certainly the first two years for you at BYU have been spectacular. It's been super fun to watch. You're one of the best players BYU's ever had. And now we're entering your upper class, uh, junior and senior years, which will be exciting. What have you worked on to continue to improve your game now heading into your junior year? I think now I just kind of, like, still be myself because I lost myself and mentally it was kind of drained last year in the preseason. And I think now I just wanted to be a stronger me. And then in my role now on the team, I just feel like I'm kind of that older sister to these younger teammates showing that, like, it's okay, this and that, and then just kind of being myself through everything. Violet, you and the Cougars tied for the regular season West Coast Conference Championship last year, but via tiebreaker did not get the automatic bid to the tournament, did not go to the postseason. How has that impacted the way that you have trained and prepared for this season? Definitely different. I think when Coach Todd came in as our assistant, he completely said, like, why not us? Like, why are we not good enough to go to this NCAA tournament? And it changed all of us and our mindset because we don't want to feel that way again. We don't want to feel let down or we don't want to feel destroyed because we didn't make our opportunity. And so we've trained now better than ever. And this team and our coaching staff is probably one of the best I've seen personally I've played with. And we've all come out like this game is our last game. We're putting all our effort in. Like every team that we have is our new rival. We have the next game, new rival. The game after that, new rival. Like we're coming at a different mindset. And you start the season with some real challenging games, North Carolina and Wisconsin among them. You guys always play a super tough schedule. How does that help you to just play good teams right away? It's more of like preparation for the postseason because with our conference, like we have a good conference, but it's not like, the power five teams or like the big school teams. So it's always preparing us for things that we can't handle or things that we've never seen before. So it's preparing us for postseason. It's preparing us for our season in general because that excitement of winning these games and winning, having a winning streak and all that gives us so pumped and give us so much energy and puts us ready for season. And then we go through season and we go through postseason and we're going to rock and postseason. So. What's an attainable goal for this team in the non-conference schedule? You play so many games. We all know that you're not going to win every game. Not even Oklahoma and that 
ridiculous crew that they had last year won every game. <laughs> so what's, what's an attainable goal? I feel like for me and for what I think this team is, I think for us, we want to be known. Like, I feel like a lot of people see us as like a team that can compete and has a lot of energy, but we want to be known as a team that's not going to like lose. We're not going to put down a fight. Like we're going to go until every inning, every out, we're going to push everyone to their limits. Like it's not going to just be like a game that you can easily win. Like we're a tough team. We're going to be a tough You had a thousand field the percentage last year. No errors. Is that uh, fair to say you can keep that up for another year? That's incredible. I'm crossing my fingers, hoping. I mean, <laughs> if I get an error, I get an error. <laughs> That's amazing. And then, uh, obviously, a lot of returners, uh, Hunter Ava, Martha Epinesa, Chloe Temple's on the preseason team, and lots uh, behind them. How are you feeling about this group this year and trying to get back to the NCAA tournament? This team is amazing, I think. With all returners and all of our newbies or transfers, we have so much debt. Like, if one of us goes down, one of us can fill a role, and it would, like, be no one left. It's our pitching staff is good, our hitting is good, our defense is good. Like, everything is working smoothly, and I don't think I've been on a team with so much chemistry where our coaches are obviously supporting us to everything, and it's just – unbelievable to see that our team no matter what like it's a core like no one can break us Violet Zavodnik star softball player is joining us from Puerto Vallarta Mexico BYU getting set to open their season shortly Violet D1 softball said that you're the 28th best softball player in the entire country we had you top 25 but that's another level. yeah we'll no. just throw that out there okay we had you a little bit higher uh point remains those are some lofty accolades, and, and you have earned it. I thought you should have been the WCC Player of the Year again last year. That mm -hmm. didn't happen. Whatever. Um, how, do you, <laughs> how do you handle those type of preseason marks and accolades and not let it affect you or, or bring the undue pressure that you don't want? I feel like for me, like, I've looked at it as something, like, not that I care. Like, I don't care about it. It's more, like, I'm doing this for my family, so when I get those preseason things or all this, like, I feel very proud for my family because I'm doing it for them. But when I go my mindset, it's more of, like, I'm not that 28 person. Like, I'm just playing my game. Like, nothing matters. Let me just play with my team, have some fun, and, like, enjoy the sport like I've been doing for a long time. So, like, the 28 or the 25, like, it doesn't really affect me as much because I try not to think about it and just try to be better than I was last year. Certainly, you've got an important season coming up this year, but next year in the Big 12 is going to be incredible, especially with Oklahoma and Texas in there. What's kind of a big picture thought about what it'll be like to play in that league next year? I feel like it'd be so cool. I mean, as a little kid, we dreamed about playing like big schools, and we play them once in a while in our preseason, and season comes, and then postseason comes, and we play maybe like one or two out of them. But I'm so excited, and our team is so excited, and everything about it is just like, a dream come true because we've worked so hard to get to where we are in the WCC, but now we're in the Big 12, and we're going to work even harder to know that we're not just some little team. Like, we're a big team, and we deserve to be here. Baylor got a taste a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, they did. <laughs> and Iowa State not too long before yep. that. We've, we've had yep, some of this yep. Big 12 competition. <laughs> but for the time being, it's the West Coast Conference. This is your finale tour in the WCC, and again, LMU got that auto bid. They tied for first. Is it fair to say there is a rivalry now with LMU and the WCC? 
for sure. I don't think like we've ever had a big rivalry besides Utah and like LMU is always like a game where it's every time it's very nerve wracking because you're like, you have to win. Like this is the championship and stuff like that. But after that game, I know for a fact we made more rivals than we've ever had because it was just so like destroying us. And like, it felt so bad that now it's like, we're going to like, we're going to beat them and it's not going to be a question about it. I love, love, uh, love hey, the confidence. Hey, can't wait for April 14th and 15th right now. I'll tell you that. Let's, let's go. <laughs> hey, Violet, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for uh, your trip in Mexico and for the games, the beginning of the season. Take it, distribute it to your teammates. Have a great time and good luck with all of your games. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You got it. Violet Zavodnik. She's pacing, Jerem. To be one of the all-time yeah. if not she the is. greatest. She already, she already is one of the greatest. BYU and, softball uh, history. Yeah, so they play North Carolina and Wisconsin tomorrow, right? Tough preseason, a non-conference that is. Uh, and then they uh, finally get to Provo March 21st, taking on Boise State. And, of course, every game on BYU TV or the BYU TV app all season. It's pretty wild that they are on the road for six weeks every, at the beginning of every season. Yeah, when I think student-athlete, I Ooh. think of softball and baseball who really throw out – a lot of the, yes, our butts are actually in class. They've got to do a lot of work on the road, uh, on and off the field. It's right? a seriously yeah. difficult commitment to, like, get that done. Yeah, to not be able to go to class and, like, still, like, maintain grades. So when I see That'd these be tough. players that have, like, That'd all, be tough. all academic conference honors, like, on softball and baseball, like, yeah. respect. Yes. By the way, uh, sorry, first home game is actually March 15th, a Wednesday against Utah on BYU TV. Oh, uh, yeah. And that game, especially the last couple of years, has produced some incredible finales, so you don't want to miss that. Martha Epinesa. Oh. Hunter Ava. Just back and forth, <laughs> homers, uh, just unbelievable. Okay, if you missed any of our uh, interviews, shows, games, deep blues, you can go to BYSN.com or the BYU TV app to get those. And a rising shout-out to the efforts of former BYU Cougars who are coaching up their posterity very early in life. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Water. A sentence. Still scoring every time we watch that highlight. Every time. Uh, last night, my son Tate said, can we watch some football? Right before that, I said, yeah. So we watched the top 10 plays. And he's thinking it's live. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, touchdown. When Ben by water. This is the best game I've ever oh seen. Oh, my gosh. I was Only like. Only highlights. I was like, yeah. he's like, wait, what's the score? He's like, I'm like, these are called highlights. BYU yeah. by a million. That's the <laughs> oh, score, Tate. Always. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Our question of the day is potential Pac-12 or just conference expansion in general still a topic of interest to you, BYU fans? Like, are we so – just anti-Utah positivity, anything that <laughs> that's a thing still? Well, when you get – when BYU about you finally, or your rival? They finally got into a, a Power 5 conference. So now because there was just so much stress – You energy, left us! Like, now that it's happened, it's like, ah, oh, okay. I kind of – you need a break, right? You need a break. So you just don't, naturally, you just don't care because there was so much stress and energy for well, so long. You, I, I think there are people that care, but that's what we're asking. I'm sharing my opinion. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't speak. I, I don't think that's the general fan consent. I don't know what it is, right? That's why we're asking. That's what we're asking. But a um, a little note there. There, I have a couple of favorite youths. One of them is Britton Covey. We love Britton Covey. Provo kid. 
he is going to do what Vaisek Ahema did and Reno Mahe did, which is be the Eagles punt returner, right? And for Reno, it was in a Super Bowl as well. And now Britain's going to catch a punt in the Super Bowl. And a return missionary, right? Repping. Yeah. Unless like, the Chiefs don't punt. <laughs> they, they may not. Um, but, like, pretty cool for him um, at 37 years old to be – you have to say the – come on. It's Britain coming. Um, to, uh, yeah, to have that experience. That'll be cool for him. Very cool. Yeah. At Jcubed11 is answering our social media question today. You mean the pack whack? <laughs> Okay. That's a new one. Is Carl Benson going to become the commish? Nathan Salt also adds, if it was going to happen, or if it were going to happen, Big 12 rating the Pac-12, it would have already. Much more excited to look at the football schedule and to see if this BYU basketball team can put it together for a miracle run in March. So saying, like, I'm more interested in basketball right next now. Next year. BYU basketball right now. When are we getting that, by the way? Oh, the next year's schedule? I have no idea. I'd, I'd still like to see women's soccer and volleyball. Those will happen fast. They have to. No, they're done, Spence. Yeah, like, the, like meaning the, the reveal will happen. At, like, it's, it should happen quickly, right? That should happen any day. You and I care more than anyone else on those ones, for sure. Our Elite Voice of the Day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated at CL underscore Living, oft contributor, says, nah, not interested. The Pac-12 was only interesting when BYU could mockingly display pseudo-championship banners in Studio B. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, you guys didn't do oh, it. Oh, one of the all-time moments of the show. Like, all-time triggering moments for the rival yes, fan base. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the year they actually win the league. Today's Rise and Shout-Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It goes to our guy Elijah Bryant, who is showing his son Blue a thing or two about how to play basketball. This is fantastic, look, look, look. The, the video look. here. The attention to detail here in the His shooting form. Flick, flick of the wrist. Like, I, I love that Eli's doing this. Look at a flick of the wrist. Luckily, Elijah is okay in Turkey, by the way. Not everyone was. Yeah, great point. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a great thing. Not everyone was. All right, our thanks to today's guest, Chad Lewis and Violet Zavodnik. Sorry, Dennis, bye. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to McKenna Bowl. We'll see you tomorrow back here in Studio B. Go Cougs.